This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Back in on 16 Sports Radio. Am I, am I a jerk? Nick Price was in the bathroom earlier today and I turned all the lights off. You are a jerk. Okay. And then he turned like one that was over by the door. Yeah, the back on. He goes, "Here you go, man. I got gotcha. you." Yep. Thanks, man. Okay. From the eight four seven, he bet on his team to win, right? Yes. Pete Rose scandal is the biggest overreaction ever. He bet on his team to win. He bet on his own team. I played college football and bet on college football literally all the time. Yeah, I mean, I agree. Like, I think Pete Rose deserves to be in the Hall of Fame. I think he's served his punishment. Now, the only like thing that I allegedly thought. Again, I don't have a lot of truth to this. Is that book that he wrote in 2004? I feel like he said he would give a majority of the proceeds to like a charity. That, again, I, I might be stretching here, so seatbelts. But I don't know if that's true, but I thought there was somewhere where he said he was going to give some of the money that the book made because it was a big sell. Um, and then he ended up just being like, no, I'm going to keep all the money. I, I feel like that's something that had happened. But let's be honest, man. I think there's just an easy compromise here. Put Pete Rose, the baseball player, in the Hall of Fame and never acknowledge his managerial part. Yeah, I mean, it's just he's the all-time hits leader. I don't think his hits record will ever get broken. It's like 5,000-something um, just because baseball records are just so, like, they're so grandfathered in and they're so tainted by so many. Like, no one's ever going to hit 73 home runs again. Um no one's breaking DiMaggio's 56-game hit streak just because of the way that, like, technology is. You know how to pitch against guys. Uh, you know talent, what pitches are coming. Not only, yeah. uh, The talent level, like, one thing that I didn't understand is that, like, when Joe DiMaggio was playing, like, he wasn't going up against, like, five-star rotations. He was going up against guys that were, like, milkmen. He was going up against, like, postmen. Like, there wasn't, like, every position wasn't filled with, like, pure athleticism. So the 56-game hitting streak, which always gets flirted with, like, when somebody gets to, like, 30 games, I think Whit Merrifield got to 30 games. They're like, okay, here it comes. Then you get the social media aspect of it. Then you get the the, the questions about it. Um, uh, but, like, you get, like, Cal Ripken Jr.'s record will never be broken consecutive games. No way. That will never be broken. So, yeah, just put Pete Rose in, man. Like, I would love, like, whose Hall of Fame speech would you like to hear more? Rob Gronkowski's or Pete Rose? Ooh, uh, I mean, probably Pete, right? Yeah. Yeah, because, like, like, Pete would just let it hang. Right, and also, like, he's had this drag out for so long that's gotten in the way of this. Like, Gronk, we already know. Like, we kind of know exactly what it's going to be like. Pete, you don't know what he's going to say when he gets up there. This is a strong text. From the 913. When he didn't bet on his team to win, by not betting, he was saying they were going to lose. <laughs> so you had a little conversation you started this morning about how um, I think the way I wanted to tease this was that uh, Shel Silverstein, which you don't know who that is, uh, famous oh. author. 
Yeah, well, he's an author, yeah. and he actually wrote for Playboy magazine. Uh, he actually wrote the articles uh, that people claim that they read when they read Playboy. Um, but Shel Silverstein wrote a book called The Missing Piece, and you think that Patrick Mahomes has a lot to do with that. Yeah, and I mean, I know it sounds obvious, but like when Patrick Mahomes came to this team in 2017, he was the missing piece of that puzzle. He became like the perfect complementary piece to all the talent that they already had on the Chiefs. Like the Alex Smith years, after Andy got in and they really started hitting their groove, like those were good football teams, but there were a couple of key pieces there or key players and Andy Reid himself that kind of had like one fatal flaw to them. Like for Andy, you know, like he was always kind of limited by the skill set of his quarterback. That's kind of been like the the narrative around his career was he makes bad quarterbacks good or he makes good quarterbacks pretty good. But like finally he's not limited by the skill set of his quarterback and he's got a guy that can just go out there and improvise to overcome like his because Andy's been conservative when it comes to play calling a lot of the times in his career. You saw with Alex Smith up until like the last year, really, that Alex was here. But he's been pretty conservative. Now you got a guy that instead of going to that check down on third and long, he's looking downfield 40 yards. And he can really like mask that deficiency for him. And also, I mean, you just talk about clock management. Mm-hmm. He doesn't need to overthink things anymore because he's got the guy. He's got his guy out there. And you really saw Andy evolve in this past year after him and Mahomes got that first year under the belt, and now like he fully has his trust in Mahomes and he knows that he knows the game to the same kind of level that Andy expects and needs. And, I mean, how many times did we talk about Andy Reid mismanaging the clock mm-hmm. this year? Or how many times did you have Andy Reid? I mean, Andy was going into halftime or ending the game with multiple timeouts left. Like, that's just something that's really small, but it shows me how Andy was able to grow because – Pat kind of took care of the other stuff. And then we've had this conversation about Travis Kelsey, but like all those on the field antics, just kind of being immature in general mm-hmm. when he first came to Kansas City, you know, the rolling the dice, getting tossed from the Jags game for throwing his towel at the referee like it's a mm-hmm. flag. And then like bad performances in the playoffs where, you know, he'd had one big drop at the beginning of the game and he'd never bounced back from it. But once Pat joined this team, you could tell like Kelsey just kind of locked in. Like he, he knew that they could accomplish something special together. And he's had big time performances in the playoffs. No more of that on the field antics, really. I mean, the closest thing, maybe that argument that he got into with the enemy on the sideline earlier this year. Mm-hmm. And then that washed over like very quickly because he was just like, Hey, heat of the moment. You know, I was just upset, but I love my guy. And then he also had to mature and grow up a little bit to kind of be that big brother to Pat. That's kind of the vibe that I get from Kelsey to Pat is that Kelsey's like, Hey man, I got you on this. Like, I'm going to be the one who's kind of going to show you the way. And you're obviously the one who's going to get us there. And then Tyreek Hill, you know, before Mahomes, Tyreek was considered a kick returner and a special teams guy. Return specialist. Return specialist. And then, you know, he started to kind of evolve into a good receiver with Alex Smith. But his best asset that he had was his speed and being able to beat people deep. And Alex Smith couldn't consistently hit him on that deep ball. And now with Mahomes... He's not only able to get him the ball deep and make those big flashy plays, but he's really been able to grow as a wide receiver. And we've talked about that connection that those two have and how it could be one of those legendary quarterback wide receiver connections. He always knows where Pat's going to go and where he needs him to be. And he's gotten so much better at route running and being able to get vertical with the ball. And just like, he's just really evolved as a player. And you've seen that three of the biggest pieces of this team that are still around from before Pat have all figured it all out at the same time. And I mean, it's no coincidence that Patrick Mahomes is the driving force behind all of that. 
Yeah, I think if you go back and I, I give insight on your on your big key points there, I think when it comes to Andy Reid, it seems like the same kind of story that Ned Yost told after they won the World Series. And again, a lot of people now uh, that look at it in hindsight will tell you, well, we could have ran that bullpen organization. Like, I could have gone out there and said, okay, well, I'm going to put Holland in, in the seventh, I'm going to put Herrera in the eighth, and then I'm going to put Davis in, in the ninth, or however you wanted to do it. Um, and, or whatever it was, or if it was Holland Davis and Herrera, or Herrera Davis Holland, however you wanted to do it, HDH, DDH, whatever you wanted to do. But Ned Yost would come out after that season and say, you know, I was successful because I let my other coaches do their job, mm-hmm. which... I think at the beginning of the year, I think if I remember it correctly, it was in that Detroit Lions game. There was time running down in the first half, and Pat would like kind of look over at the sideline, like confused, like, hey, call a timeout here. We can get a couple plays off. And Andy was like, no, nah, let's just, you know, we're good. Let's just get to a field goal, get to halftime, get the ball back, and go up 10. And I think towards the end of the season, like once Andy went without Pat for two and a half weeks, he was like, you know, maybe this kid really has grown. Maybe his game management skills are a little bit more advanced than I thought they were. Maybe it's time to kind of let him have a little bit more say in what we do. And you saw that with the play call in the Super Bowl where Pat basically, not basically, he did call his own shot. was like, hey, let's run this play. I bet it works. And it works. Uh, Andy Reid going for it on their first drive on fourth down. Let me know that the old Andy was dead. And there's this new Andy that has the, like, I think Carrington said it the week of the Super Bowl where he had this just realization with himself, whether it was one of those Larry David uh, stoned out of his mind, looks in the mirror. Now I know Andy wasn't stoned, but I'm saying like looked in the mirror, like, Mm. you know what? You've done enough in this league. Just relax, go out there and just be a better coach by letting your, your players personality show. And we know we've heard that a lot when it comes to Kelsey, 100% agree. I don't disagree with anything about that. Um, I think that is true. I think when a guy is in his seventh year in the league, technically his sixth, or fifth, whenever Patrick Mahomes getting lead was it was Travis Kelsey's fifth year in the league. I think like he and Tyree Kill to combine these two, I think they both looked at what that what that kid had at 22 years old and knew that he was going to be the starter no matter what. We all did, right? Like when Patrick Mahomes got drafted, you're like, okay, two years, it's his job. Mm-hmm. And I think when those guys realized it is when they said to themselves, okay, if I can be as close to a lead as possible with this sprinkled in there, like the the limitations are very, very bleak. And I think that's what happened with um I think that's what happened with Travis Kelsey. I think he was kind of just also I think he just got close to 30. You know, I was wild and rambunctious at 27 and 28 as well. And then basically when I turned 30, it was kind of just like, you know what, I'm cool with like a six pack and just chilling. I don't need to go get a a fifth of Burnett's vodka flavored by cherry flavored, smash it with some Red Bull and then go out on a Thursday night. I started to be like, you know what? I'll go out like on Saturday and the next week and I'm probably not going to do anything. I'm going to go to Home Depot, check out some stuff for the kitchen, whatever. And I think that's eventually where we got with Kelsey. But I also think the majority part of it was like, okay, this dude's really good and he's mature beyond his years and he's six years younger than I am. Um, and the same thing goes with Tyree Kill. I think Tyree Kill always knew he was the fastest guy on the field no matter what field he stepped on. And I think that he knew that. And I knew that, think that he said to himself like, hey, I'm still young. If I can perfect these routes and this guy can't underthrow me, you know, again, the ceiling is inevitable. I don't know where we can go with this. And when you put it all together and you think about it and you tell yourself, yeah, it's obvious that he was the missing link or the missing piece. I mean, Andy Reid was still winning 10 to 11 games, sometimes 12 without Patrick Mahomes. He's now gone back-to-back years with 12 wins, back-to-back AFC championship games, a Super Bowl, and his quarterback has won MVP and Super Bowl MVP. 
not only is Patrick Mahomes um, there in the NFL and there where he is, he's now there with Andy Reid, and people will always say, well, when does Reid retire? Well, how much easier does Andy Reid's work get? He just put a full season together where he hoisted the Lombardi Trophy at the end of the season, and now he has that recipe, and now he knows, like, all right, my quarterback gets it. He's one more year experienced. My team around him is completely experienced. And now Andy Reid is basically Ned Yost in that 2015 season where he's like, you know what? I'm going to let the guys around me do it. And then I'm going to get in where I need to get in and do what I need to do to like make this team stay afloat and be, you know, where it needs to be. But right now I know exactly what I want. Now, granted the Royals in the NFL are two different way different sports and they're different when it comes to salary cap. One has one, one doesn't. And when it comes to this Chiefs team with this core, yeah, it's going to be fun for Andy Reid because Andy Reid can sit back and be like, you know what? What he said, just do what he said. Right. He doesn't have to micromanage anymore. He doesn't have to get his hands on everything to try to Correct. make things work in the best way possible with limited skill sets or less than ideal people at certain positions. Like you've seen him pretty much turn over play calling to Eric Bannamy, and you've seen him bring in Spags and say, you handle that. And he has a coach on the field and Patrick Mahomes now, and he's just really been able to delegate and it takes a lot of pressure off of him. So you ask how much longer is Andy going to coach? Probably for a while, man. He's finally yeah. got it all together and it's not like he's going to work any, any less hard or anything, but he just doesn't have as many things that he has to figure out. Like it's already in place. Yeah, he's 61. I think he coaches till he's at least 65, which gives you four more years of Andy Reed which I think in the next four years, if he can win two more titles, that would give him three. That'd give him a dynasty that put him as probably the second best, maybe the best coach of all time because he doesn't have any of those tainted stories that define his career like Belichick does. Long-term investments, uh, they're never fun at the time when you go to purchase them, but they're better for you after you paid for them, and one of those is obviously coming. Out of Bounds with Dusty Likens and Nick Price, 610 Sports Radio. Jay Bingley gets a lot of things right. He doesn't get candy bars right. For some reason, the text line's flooded with this zero bar talk. I just read what a zero bar is, and it sounds like the most obvious piece of trash you would ever eat. You should read it right now. The zero candy bar introduced in 1920. Of course. Right? Eight years after the Titanic sank. Classic. Is a candy bar composed of a combination of caramel, peanut, and almond nougat covered with a layer of white fudge, a.k.a. white chocolate fudge. It's a white color, an unusual color for a candy bar, has become its trademark. I feel like that's too many ingredients for a candy bar. I just feel like it's just ingredients that made trash. What's your favorite candy bar? That's tough, because I don't know what defines a candy bar. Right, because like, is a Reese's Peanut Butter Cup a candy it, bar? Because it, that's, that's number the, one. Yeah, that's the goat. Right. If we're talking like candy bar, candy bar, probably... I don't know. I tried like this cookies and cream Twix the other day. It was mm. fantastic, man. But see, like that's like something that's been modified, right? So that's like a spinoff of a classic. But Twix is also good. I don't get the whole left tr Twix, right Twix thing, but it gets people talking about it. Do you eat them both at the same time, or do you eat one then another one? No, who eats both at the same time? Do I you? Do. I'm an animal. Really? Yeah. I once tried to think Twix would be good if you put them in the freezer, like some candy bars are. 
not Kit Kat. Car- Kit Kats are really good. Yeah. It just seems like, I don't know, Nutter Bar, really good as well. I mm-hmm. like anything peanut butter and chocolate. Yeah, I mean, right? it's a winning combination. Like, to me, my, my candy bar back in the day in college when, like, four, uh, 4 o'clock in the afternoon would hit, about 20 after, I'd go get two fast breaks from the gas station. Mm-hmm. That's what got me going. Mm-hmm. Like, that's what got my toes to curl. Can I get a shout-out, Lance? There you go, Lance. Big shout-out for you. Thanks for joining us for the show. Um, yeah, but God, why is Binkley eating zero bars? Binkley is really outdated. Like, he's really outdated when it comes to candy bars. He eats pizza, zero bars, and energy drinks. Yeah. That's his diet. So I'm going to get Binkley a Valentine's Day basket. It's going to have a pizza cutter in it. It's going to have a zero bar in it. And it's going to have, not energy drink, bottle of tea. Because I'm looking out for them. Right. Energy drinks are trash. Yeah. I only drink them in obscure situations, like if I'm on the air at 2 a.m. Right, if I've worked for 17 yeah. hours straight here. Right. Something like that. Oh, man. ESPN just ESPN Plus just sent me an offer. Not really. But they just said, don't forget, John Jones fights tonight in UFC 227 or whatever it is. Yeah, that's great. Except that you're going to charge me 50 bucks for the fight. Right. I pay $5 a month for ESPN Plus. Zero before you judge me, bottom drawer of my desk to zero bars in there. Try it. I'm not going to try it, Binkley. Thanks for listening to the show. I'm not trying a zero bar. I don't want almond peanut nougat. That's not what I want. I also, don't want- just like, what's with the name? Zero flavor? Zero people like zero it? Zero happiness? Did he just say he got the munchies at 4 o'clock about 20 after? Maybe. Possible. Eh, you, can, you can put the picture together. Uh, what comes with Patrick Mahomes, right? This is, I think, our last Patrick Mahomes topic. Thank God. Um, but I think when it comes to Patrick Mahomes, I think Frank Clark kind of hit it on the head uh, when it comes to Patrick Mahomes getting paid because it's just interesting uh, when Frank Clark says this. How much conversation is there amongst you guys about who might be able to come back and how much money the quarterback might wind up getting paid? It's not really a lot of conversation amongst us, honestly. Um we all know Pat will get paid. You know, right now it's just about how much, you know, is, is what number or, or where, you know. And um, that's sort of how we're thinking about it. I'm not even really thinking about, you know, um, like you said, another man's pockets. But, you know, when, he, when it does happen, when that day does come, man, it's going to be a celebration all over again. Frank, any concern, though, that may cost you some teammates? Chris no. Jones, one of the no defensive line teammates, going to be a free agent. Mm-mm. You know, Sammy Watkins has a high cap number. Is there any concern that? When Pat gets paid, you may lose some of your great teammates. I mean, of course you want to see all your guys stick around and you want to see, you know, um, you, you guys have that same team going into next year and win championships together. But you know, understand the business of this, uh, of, you know, you understand the business side. You understand that every team can't stick together that long like that. You understand guys got to get paid, you know, what they deserve and what they work for their whole life. So that's pretty interesting for Frank Clark. One, uh, he's already paid. So it's really easy for him to talk about It's a about pretty that, easy, right? yeah, it's an easy conversation to have. Um. But I think it's interesting, too, because it shows you where this team is. And I think the way he responded to that on ESPN's early show is that, like, he was like, is there, I think it was, what was it? It wasn't Mike Golick, was it? No, it was the other Mike. He was asking, he said, um, is there any concern that, like, Patrick Mahomes is conscious? No. Like, everybody on this team knows who the best quarterback is in the league. Not only that, but everybody in the league knows who the best quarterback is. And, unfortunately, that's the way things work. When you have something that's good and you have something that is ripe, you're going to pay a lot of money for it. I don't know how to explain this, but the best comparison you can kind of give it is next year around Christmas time, whatever the hot toy is, 
it's going to be new and it's going to be fresh and everybody's going to want to buy it and they can charge it for whatever they want because they know that they'll get that production from it. And that's exactly what they're going to do with Patrick Mahomes. They know Patrick Mahomes is 24 years old. They know that he's already won an MVP of the league. He's already won a Super Bowl MVP. He's obviously already won a Super Bowl. Back-to-back AFC Championship games. He's going to be the most highest-paid quarterback in the history of the sport, and he might break the bank when it comes to the most highest contract ever given out. Now, I found an article as well that said quarterbacks with the biggest ha- with the biggest cap hits have missed playoffs eight of last 10 seasons. Over the last 10 years, the team whose quarterback had the NFL's highest salary cap hit missed the playoffs eight times, according to NFL research. That includes Matt Stafford, Joe Flacco, Jimmy G, Drew Brees, Eli Manning. Why does the team with the biggest paid quarterback fare so poorly? Sometimes it's an injury or a bad luck maneuver, um, but it's also part of the harsh reality of the NFL salary cap. The NFL's hard cap means that every dollar spent on one player is a dollar that can't be spent on another player. So the way they're getting at this article is the fact that you're going to spend a lot of money. That means you have to, it's very simple. It's, it's, it's an economic lesson in life. When somebody gives you, think of it as a fantasy football aspect, right? Use a little bit of an easier comparison. If your fantasy football cap in your league is $100 on all the players you can spend out of 14 rounds, and you really want Christian McCaffrey on your team next year, you can spend $60 on Christian McCaffrey, and he'll be really good and consistent, and the numbers will be there. But you've only got 40 more dollars to spend on 13 more picks plus waiver wire accusations. So that's where you've kind of got to be smart and trust your front office or yourself to think that you can find those good players that are below what everyone else is paying for. Or you can do what everybody else tries to do and try to find average throughout, which is what I would consider the Minnesota Vikings. Adam Thielen's not a top 10 receiver. Stephon Diggs might be. Dalvin Cook is really, really good. He's coming on as being a really good running back. But Kirk Cousins is, what, a top 12 quarterback? Top 10 quarterback? He's not in the top five. Very average. You're not going to spend a lot of money on it. Look at the Seattle Seahawks. Look what they did. They paid Russell Wilson a lot of money. That defense wasn't getting paid. They were kind of wearing down, and they went away. They don't have really a significant running back. And their wide receivers, Tyler Lockett, not a top 10 wide receiver. DK Metcalf, a rookie. Their tight ends, not household names. That's just the way it goes. And where it comes to the Chiefs, you have, you fortunately have a GM who is good at finding little diamonds in the rough. Charvarius Ward at cornerback. Now go find another one in the draft. You look at your running back. You found Kareem Hunt in the third round out of Toledo. And you went and got Damian Williams on free agency. Now, Damian Williams, it says, barring injuries, has been successful. I will believe that. But, yes, Patrick Mahomes is going to get a lot of money. But Patrick Mahomes is also different from the storyline. Now, again, bearing a terrible injury where he would miss an entire season, that would probably cause you not to make the playoffs. Again, that's where you have to trust Andy Reid. He did a pretty damn good job with Matt Moore. But when it comes to Patrick Mahomes, remember how good he made Albert Wilson look? I don't think you have to worry about missing the playoffs when Patrick Mahomes eventually will be your biggest cap hit on your roster.
Right, because a guy like Patrick Mahomes, you talk about it with like guys like Aaron Rodgers. Like Aaron Rodgers hasn't always had the best people around him. Right, he's never had a running back. Right. He's only had one, pretty much one solid receiver. Never really had a solid tight end. His he's never had a coach like Andy Reid. Right, and so like you put these pieces together, like even Aaron Rodgers, when he's been put at a disadvantage with the people around him, has still always, when healthy, kept his team in the playoffs or at least in playoff contention until the very end. So, like, that's exactly what you're going to see from Pat. It doesn't matter how much money they're paying him. It doesn't matter who they're putting him around him because the core is locked up for the most part. Right. Uh, so, yeah, I don't think that that article from Pro Football Focus uh, or Pro Football Talk really hits hard to the Chiefs because, again, it kind of makes it relevant for the Chiefs because they are going to pay Patrick Mahomes a lot of money, record-setting money, which means his cap hit is going to be big every single year. But think about it. You have Tyreek Hill locked up for five. Travis Kelsey's locked up for three. He's probably going to want an extension and a restructure here after next year once Kittle and Ertz reset the tight end market. Your defense is locked up. Frank Clark's here for five years. You can tag Chris Jones and either trade him and get more talent from the pool in the draft that way, or you can hold on to him for $18 million. Sammy Watkins, I think, is going to renegotiate. If he doesn't like the number that the Chiefs offer, the Chiefs will buy him out. The Chiefs know where they're going. I trust this organization. I don't think that even if Pat Mahomes' cap hit is the biggest on the roster, which it will be moving forward, I don't think they will ever be in jeopardy of missing the playoffs unless, obviously, Patrick Mahomes has a season-ending injury. Then it gets kind of dicey. From the text line, the Smitty's Garage Burgers and Beer text line, 17. Uh, zero bars are delicious. Zero bars are awesome. Zero bars aren't very good. I tried one the other day. Yikes. That's from Lance. Uh, what you call it is the best ever. Did he just say he got the munchies at 4 o'clock about 20 after? Maybe. Uh, fried Snickers for the win. Zero bars look like the white dog poo that Brennan licked in Step Brothers. That's the win for the day <laughs> on the text line. Um, yeah, I'm not eating a zero bar. I don't care if Binkley let me know where they're at. The best candy bar, in my opinion, is I. It's just tough. Snickers is up there. You know what's overrated? Also, as a candy bar, Three Musketeer. Trash. Not a fan. Um, this next subject ought to be pretty good. The Oscars are Sunday, but uh, who of the Chiefs? Got an Oscar from the show on Out of Bounds. Out of Bounds with Dusty Likens and Nick Price. 610 Sports Radio. Back in on the show we call Out of Bounds. So I've come to the conclusion that Sean's Blue Chew commercial is officially the creepiest advertisement you guys have. Well, we uh, we hear it 15 times a day on our show. Um, the cap matters if you start skimping on the offensive line. That's when Mahomes gets stepped on and hurt, and then the team becomes average. You guys seem to be talking about next year specifically. If you're not talking long-term, then you may be right. I mean, the team's pretty much locked up. I mean, I think they're going to move on from LDT. Um, I think you just, like, you got to find a way to bring back Chris Jones. Mm-hmm. And other than that, like, then your main key pieces are in place. You've got Pat, Kelsey, and Tyreek, at least for a few more years. You've Shorts. got Tyron Matthew, Frank Clark, Chris Jones on that defense. Yeah, I think you'd be pretty good with those guys. Zero bar started out as a double zero bar, meaning very cool. Explores Robert Perry and... A Munson chunks. 
Okay, I don't know what's going on here. Chunks of goodness and popular. Okay, yeah. Anyways, zero bars are gross. I don't ever plan on trying one. I'm not going to. Um, the Oscars are Sunday. I'm really excited to see how many awards Once Upon a Time in Mexico wins. I think we were talking to like this guy that I don't know if he, I don't know who he is, but he talks to us every Saturday. I literally don't know his name. Uh, he's of German descent, right. has a very rich German accent, and he does all things film. I think he does it with BZ. I'm sorry if I'm just a total Richard here. I just don't know who he is, but he just loves us. Yeah. Like, I'm not being He exact. just loves, he, like, chop, chopping up Hollywood talk with always. us. Always. And, yeah. like, any time that, like, I can try to push his buttons, I try to, where we were talking. He came up to us. He's like, do you know the posters that they're selling for the Chiefs parade? Mm-hmm. Like, that's how he talks. Hey, guess what? Cardell Jones still sucks. Um, <laughs> the XFL is kicked off. We'll get into that a little bit later. But we have awards because the Oscars are starting on Sunday. And uh, Nick Price, let's kick off these awards for the Chiefs as we did this uh, for the Chiefs um, all year long. Um, we start off with best original score. I think uh, we start off with best original score, meaning like what score of the year wins the best award? Start off with the run. Second and 10 as that Tennessee defense drops back. Has long and try to make a diving. Tipped it by Holmes, who tiptoes inside the 10. Still not down. Oh, what a run out of this world. Touchdown, Kansas City. First award was the one, there was the run by Patrick Mahomes. For best original score, second best original score, Juan Thornhill's pick six against Derek Carr against the Raiders. Uh, I don't have any audio for that. I don't know where it's at. Oh, okay. And um, yeah, that's it. Uh, but Juan Thornhill's pick six against Oakland is the second uh, category for or the second one against best original score. Starting to figure out his system with each passing week, and here we go. Put the steal and the run back. It's Thornhill, the rookie, for his first NFL touchdown on the pick six. Juan Thornhill nominated for best original score this year for the Kansas City Chiefs. This one, tough one to beat the first one, but Mahomes to Pringle for the touchdown versus the Colts when they didn't have any receivers except for Byron Pringle. Third down and 18. out again all the way back turning the corner fires downfield caught touchdown only Mahomes Byron Pringle stop it we haven't seen this that was Chris Collinsworth uh, audio uh, courtesy of NBC as he just said stop it and then the final play for best original score, Damian Williams' run against the Chargers in Week 17 where he went 84 yards because people for the Chargers just mailed in the season. First and 10, Damian Williams, blocked by Kelsey, blocked by Wizard. Oh, and he spins free! There he goes! It's a foot race! Perriman trying to get him. There he goes for six, galloping 84 yards! 
And the award for best original score goes to The Run by Patrick Mahomes. It had to be, right? It had to be. It's the only one that makes sense. It was original, like they all were. Juan Thornhill's, I think, was a little bit uh, underrated this year. I think Juan Thornhill's pick six against the Raiders could have won best original score because it was his first. It kind of sealed that game, and it was just fun to see Derek Carr continue to just be absolutely terrible at Arrowhead. Also, like the Byron Pringle touchdown, I've never, I mean, we've seen it from Mahomes, but other than that, like, I haven't really seen a play like that. No. Hurts him a little bit that they ended up losing that game, though. Yeah, and where it was in the season. Right. Best Supporting Actor nominations. Uh, Best Supporting Actor slash Actress, because we don't have a lot of time to do, like, 19 categories. Right, this isn't a four-hour show. Right. Best Supporting Actor. Yeah. (laughs) Best Supporting Actor, uh, Jackson Mahomes Mm -hmm. uh, nominated. Uh, I thought he was really good at supporting his uh, team fandom. I thought he was always there. He supported this team throughout the entire year. He got a lot of crap from people, too, for, like, his TikToks and stuff. But he owned it, and he wore it, and, like, yeah, love to see it. I think people forget that Jackson Mahomes is 19 years old. Right. Um, But very supportive. Uh, Nominated number as well for Best Supporting Actor slash Actress, Brittany Matthews. Mm -hmm. Very supportive of this team. Always there. She tried to let you know that people wanted to doubt him against the Texans, and they still won. And that, again, of course, they were shamed and bullied in New England, and they still stood by their team and supported it. Uh, Kayla Nicole, Travis Kelsey's lady, very supportive as well for a Best Supporting Actor slash Actress nomination. I thought she did very well. I mean, she was with a guy that wore an $18,000 jacket at the Super Bowl parade that had beer all over it. He's a wild, wild and crazy guy. And she keeps him grounded, supported her man, was there at the Super Bowl, obviously, there throughout the playoffs, and very supportive, uh, Mrs. Nicole was. And then finally, Ryan Fitzpatrick. Had to be, right? Without Ryan Fitzpatrick's support, this team wouldn't have been the two seed. And the winner goes to Jackson Mahomes as best supporting actor. And what was the movie, The Chief's Kingdom, this year? Jackson Mahomes wins Best Supporting Actor. Best Actor in a Comedy Role. Nomination number one, Paul Rudd. Paul Rudd, once again, hits you with the, what, the most famous uh, kegger talk? Oh, my God. Well, Bill, I'm uh, freaking out. I guess we got to really plan a big old kegger, don't we? <laughs> kegger at mom's? A kegger moms. Somebody better let my mom know she's out of town. Just be cool, everybody. Just just be cool. Yeah, don't wreck anything. Haven't we been through this before? Yeah, we've been through it before. <laughs> Paul Rudd, always a fan of the supported to support the Chiefs. Paul Rudd, best supporting act or best actor in a comedy feature. Paul Rudd, David Koechner. Uh, a lot of people know him as Todd Packer from The Office. Mm-hmm. Uh, Nick Price. Uh, <laughs> You're very familiar with David Koechner because you watch a lot of Anchorman. Yeah, I love Anchorman. You're just a big fan. Fantastic movie. Uh, He was great in that. Yep, big supporter of the Chiefs, also a comedian. Big big opportunity to be a role in a comedy uh, situation here. Eric Stone Street. Right. Also banged the drum. One of the biggest fans out there when it comes to, like, celebrity fans. 100%. Also a partial owner of the Royals. Right. also a comedian, so he gets to fill in this role. And then Rob Riggle, man. Right. KU like, guy. Yep. He's a comedy Local guy. Comedy guy as well. Bleeds Chiefs. Let's his homers uh buy out into Fox when he does his little bits. Let's his homerism buy out when he does uh picks for games. And Rob Riggle, Paul Rudd, David Keckner, Eric Stone Street, all nominated for best actor in a comedy of the part of the season that was the kingdom. And the winner is Paul Rudd. He'll win every year. I'm just letting you know. Spoiler alert. A little bias here, but, you know, I just love Paul Rudd. And the big macho category, the final one, best actor in a leading role in the movie that was The Kingdom, Patrick Mahomes as 
the GOAT. Tyron Matthew as his role is the landlord. Travis Kelsey in his role as pure sex. And Frank Clark as the assassin. Again, the nominations for best actor in a leading role in the movie that was the Chiefs Kingdom. Patrick Mahomes as his role as the GOAT. Tyron Matthew in his role as the landlord. Travis Kelsey in his role as pure sex. And Frank Clark's as the assassin. And the winner goes to Tyron Matthew as the landlord. That was a tough one. I really wanted to go towards Travis Kelsey when he wore the Gucci jacket from a few years ago to where he wore the smiley face outfit and then to where he wore the $18,000, $19,000, $20,000 Louis V robe slash coat in the parade. And Patrick Mahomes, who had a great year, who basically is like Daniel Day-Lewis. He's probably going to win Best Actor all the time that he's mm-hmm. nominated, but not this year. Tyron Matthew changed his name from the Honey Badger to the Landlord in the middle of the great drama that was this movie. And he is our best actor. So we go over it again. Tyron Matthew wins best actor as the Landlord. Paul Rudd wins the best comedian. Jackson Mahomes wins best supporting actor. And The Run wins best original score for this year's edition of The Kingdom, a 2019 drama directed by Andy Reid. Andy Reid is now the Martin Scorsese of, uh, of movies mm-hmm. and sports. So we had a little bit of fun there. I think that's interesting. Um, coming up on the other side, 20 years seems like a long time. Uh, someone ended that streak today. Out of Bounds with Dusty Likens and Nick Price. 610 Sports Radio. Man, I am so hungover. The XFL's off to a hot start, let me tell you. It's 6-3 to three with uh, 10 minutes left in the first half of this pathetic organization. And the quarterback just threw an interception. Nice. The field goal p- kicker's already missed a field goal. I love how they put the over-under on the scoreboard. That's fine. Yeah. I saw somewhere on... Solid turnout. I saw... Yeah. I mean, it's DC, man. They haven't anything to wor- root for in a while. Right. Since, I mean, as I soon mean, as they, the Nats. As like, soon as they fired Jay Gruden... Uh, Washington season was over. Um, wow. You know what this looks like? This looks like every movie that has a football team. Right. Like, this literally looks like the replacements. I'm ready for Shane. If there was a Shane Falco, that's who I'd root for. Yeah. There's just not. You think Keanu Reeves could? He's got a little left in the tank? I think Keanu Reeves can do whatever he wants. I'm positive he can. Yeah, he's all, he's honestly, from what I've heard, he's an awesome dude. Yeah. And I would kick it with Keanu Reeves for at least a weekend. Like, there's certain people that I'd only kick it with for like a night, maybe two, maybe the day, night, all day thing. Keanu Reeves, that's a Thursday evening to Sunday afternoonish that I'm going to stop hanging out with him. Um, Cardell Jones is the DC quarterback. They are nine and a half point favorites. We'll get into all that in a little bit. What to me was hilarious is after the field goal kicker missed the kick, the sideline reporter goes, I'm here with the. Kicker, where'd you fail? Why'd you fail? That's what we need in the NFL. We'll never get it because the NFL is an actual like league that has everything together and not just thrown together in a matter of a year and a half just because it's February and we need football. We've literally been without football for what? Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. Six days we've been without football and everybody's chomping the bit to watch this just poor production of athletes that couldn't make it. And you're starting to see why they didn't make it. That's not what I want to talk about right here in the hour of the 1 o'clock hour. By the way, Nick Price, two hours have flown by today here on Out of Bounds. It always does. Seems to. 
You can catch overtime after us from 3 to 5 as we stay live and local all day, and then K-State will tip off at 7 p.m., meaning their pregame will start at 6 p.m. here on 610 Sports Radio. But speaking of college basketball, today Bobby Knight made his first return to Indiana in that arena to watch the Hoosiers take on Purdue in one of the biggest rivalries in all of college basketball for the first time in 20 years since he had been fired as their head coach in 2000. Saturdays, I feel, are kind of back to that feeling that college basketball is a very good void throughout the day because I think a lot of people, again, I'm just assuming here, I don't know who you are or what you do on the weekends, but myself included uh, on this topic, Saturdays for me are a show that we get up about 8 o'clock for, get to the station about 9, between 9 and 9.41, if you're Nick Price. And even though you tell people you're going to be here at 9.30, you get here at 9.42. But the thing about it is, true story there, the thing about it is, is that after this is over, like, yeah, the XFL's there. I'm not really that intrigued about it. But, like, the college basketball world is one of those things that, like, I can put college basketball on, I can kind of do laundry. I can cook dinner. I can get things going until I go meet up with the guys. And then there's always games that tip off at 8 o'clock, 9 o'clock, and you kind of put it on for background noise, and you just try to get to March. That's how I am with college basketball. I, I can't get into college basketball as much as a lot of other people because I just don't understand the process of it. It's still two halves. Uh, the fouls kind of ruin it. All the TV timeouts kind of seem to ruin the just the pace of the game. And then you play a giant tournament where – one win or one loss and you're out after you played 30 plus games the entire season. And now all of a sudden there's 96 teams that get involved in this tournament. I get it. The thrill, the fun, the gambling, the brackets, the bragging rights, whatever you want to do, pick mascots over numbers, whatever it is when it comes to the tournament. But I just don't understand college basketball. Like they, they handcuff kids to go make money they don't let them make money when they should, when they're clearly more talented. Zion Williamson had no business playing college basketball last year. I'm comfortably saying saying that out loud. I don't think he needed to play college basketball. LeBron James and Kobe Bryant didn't need to, and it clearly worked out for them. But when it comes to college basketball this Saturday, I do find it interesting that Bobby Knight, will, who already has, the game is already uh, tipped off, Bobby Knight is returning to Indiana on Saturday afternoon uh, for the first time since 2000. Uh, the game has already kicked off. It's the honorary 40-year anniversary of Indiana's 1979-1980 team that went 21-8 and and rose to number one in the AP poll before eventually losing in the Sweet 16. Bobby Knight has not returned to a game since being fired from the university. The controversial end to his 29-year reign came to a close in September of 2000 as he gave the uh, a student an unmannerly lesson in manners. When Knight was fired, school president Miles Brand cited Knight's unacceptable pattern of behavior that violated the university's uh, zero-tolerance policy, including verbally abusing a high-ranking female university official and gross, um, absurd actions as well. Knight took home three NCAA titles at Indiana, Indiana University and coached the 1984 men's Olympic basketball team to a gold medal, but his coaching career was also married with uh, several violent outbursts over nearly three decades and throwing a chair during a game to allegedly throwing a vase at a university secretary. So Bobby Knight obviously had some temper problems, but prior to last year's appearance, he hadn't been on IU's campus since giving a 20-minute farewell speech on September 14, 2001, where I believe is when he said, when my time on here has passed, I hope they bury me upside down and my critics can kiss 
you know how to rhyme pass with whatever that word is. Uh, but I think it's interesting that there is that uh, tip-off happened at 1 o'clock against Purdue and Indiana. I find it interesting how much times have changed, right? Like, that's where we're at now, whereas back then, it was all about actions and what they did on and off the court when it came to that type of basketball. Because before that, we never knew about this type of stuff where coaches could, you know, grab players, verbally abuse players, and hold their clout as if that nothing else mattered. Now in college basketball, how dare you spend money or how dare you treat athletes to a ticket or go give them money to get a bus fare before they're even on your college team. Again, college basketball for me is the greatest thing for background noise. It's hard for me to be focused in college basketball because it is the only sport of its kind that doesn't have the similarities of other sports below it nor above it. Women's basketball, four quarters. Men's basketball in the pros, four quarters. Elementary school, middle school, high school, you play four quarters. 24-second shot clock in the pros, 30 in college. It just doesn't make sense how they don't use the court systems and the, and the rules and all that to be the same moving forward. Because if you want to get better in a sport that you have to play a year in, it should be the most similar thing to what you're about to do. Just like college, right? You take a senior seminar. It tells you about how to do your taxes, how to get your taxes done, how to become an adult. It doesn't tell you that, well, there's a chance, you know, that it's going to be this way. So college basketball to me, not my favorite, but we're here. It's February. It's almost March. March to me is fun. The excitement, the levels of it, again, I just don't understand why you play 30-plus games for a single-round elimination. Right. It's definitely not the best way to determine a true champion, but it's definitely the most exciting. That's why you're not going to see a change. But you've seen a couple things like this year, like moving the three-point line back and shortening the shot clock down to 30 seconds. Like, I think they're moving more in the direction that you like. But for now, you know, Chief season's over. And for a lot of people around here in Kansas City that don't have an NBA team that they cheer for, this is pretty big time. I mean, you know, I went to KU, so I watch a lot of Big 12 basketball, and it's really kicking off, you know, getting into the heat of conference play, and then this is going to lead us all the way into March, and then March Madness will lead us all the way into the Royals, and then the cycle continues, Dusty. It does. I mean, it's a product that everybody keeps watching and keeps producing uh, producing athletes into the pros, and I just think that there's just there's just so much that can be changed in college basketball, but it's it's also one of those things that fits in the perfect time of year because there is no NFL, there is no baseball. Baseball is being played in certain spots over the United States with spring training. Um, and here we are, college basketball season, getting ready to be March Madness. Uh, we're really doing this again. Yes, we are. Unfortunately, the XFL is back. Out of Bounds with Dusty Likens and Nick Price. 610 Sports Radio. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. 